You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at Locked On uh, at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts for the New Orleans Pelicans as we are heading towards the trade deadline less than two weeks away. But before we get to the trades and speculation and all of that, we got to talk about on-court results. The Pelicans over the weekend had one go against them, losing to the San Antonio Spurs at home in the Smoothie King Center. We'll recap that game for you here. Then we're going to look at if the Pelicans' intentions at the trade deadline are shifting now for where they stand in the Western Conference playoff race, are they sh- are they or should they move from being buyers to sellers, and is that the smart move here? And then finally, if they are going to pitch Anthony Davis, and they are, on staying here next season, what's that pitch going to look like? And I'll give you, I think, the way they're going to try and sell this, because right now it looks a little bit bleak, but there's always some silver linings in things, so we got to be a little bit positive here. So we're going to do just that in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we recap the Pelicans 126-114 loss to the San Antonio Spurs, don't forget if you got a smart speaker over the holiday, you can use it to play the most recent edition of this podcast, of Locked On Saints, of Locked On NBA, or any of your favorite Locked On Podcast Network podcasts. All you have to do is tell your smart speaker to play podcast locked on pelicans that phrase play podcast locked on pelicans you'll get the latest episode it's a great and easy way to stay up to date with everything that's coming around on around this team including that 126 114 loss to the san antonio spurs at home no julius randall in this one no anthony davis in this one no nikola miritich in this one for the pelicans being without those three guys is certainly going to make any game hard but of course there was each one more he did come back and play in this one after sitting out with rest against the Oklahoma City Thunder as well as Drew Holiday playing and Alfred Payton playing so there's some talent on this team but then of course you see the San Antonio Spurs without DeMar DeRozan in this one so a lot of guys missing in this LaMarcus Aldridge was a game time decision he ended up playing and you can see did not go the Pelicans way so what happened in this one and it's frankly they just didn't have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Spurs in this game whatsoever. For a team that's missing their best offensive player in DeMar DeRozan, or maybe you could say it's LaMarcus Aldridge, I'm not entirely sure, uh, it was a little bit disappointing to see the Pelicans not really be able to go out and get this one. We thought the San Antonio, I didn't, I thought they were still going to be good, but a lot of people thought the Spurs were not going to be their usual selves this year, and then if you think that, and then they're playing without DeMar DeRozan, Pelicans had a chance to get a win. Just not enough. But you saw some good performances from the team in this one. Drew Holiday leading the way, 29 points, 7 rebounds, um, and 3 assists on the night. It was 3 of 6 from deep, that's pretty good. 9 of 20 from the field overall, not the best, eh, whatever. You had Jaleel Okafor getting another start, his fourth straight game now with a start in place of the injured Anthony Davis. He was 
good stat-wise in this one. 24 points, 15 rebounds. He was 10 of 12 from the field, 4 of 5 from the line. It's pretty good. His numbers look really good. I talked about the three-game stretch he had. He's averaging over 18 points now during this four-game stretch. But it's not necessarily kind of having the impact you'd like in terms of wins and things like that. But when you're playing with a depleted team, that might be the case. But I think this is also partially uh, a run of, well, someone has to put up numbers on this team and it may as well be him. So I think you got to be a little bit careful with that. Frank Jackson off the bench, 15 points on 14 shots. He was one of five from deep. That hurt his efficiency there. Now, going back to uh, Jaleel Okafor, the numbers offensively look good. His defense was rough in this one, though. LaMarcus Aldridge, in a shade under 30 minutes, put up 28 points, 12 rebounds. He was 12 of 20 from the field. The Pelicans really had no answer to him. Rudy Gay for the Spurs, 22 points on the night, Derek White, 12 points, um, and they just had more. It, you know, you see how bad this team is without Anthony Davis in it, and again, when you're missing three guys that are all averaging, you know, 18 plus or so, whatever Miritich is averaging, you're going to lose a lot of games, so I think it's kind of disappointing, but maybe expected to see, but man, this team is in a bit of disarray, and here's the other thing with it, just defensively bad in this one, and that's kind of the key to them working, and they've been bad defensively all year long, something we're going to talk about later in the week, so it was a 126-114 loss to the Spurs, you know, not really sure kind of what else to say with it other than like it is what it is, Pelicans dropped to 22 and 28 on the year now they are on the outside looking in big time in the playoffs they're 13th in the western conference six games out of the eighth seed with five teams ahead of them even if they go on a miraculous run to end the season and maybe start to climb up it's not like you're looking for one or two teams to drop you need five teams to play worse than you that's a whole lot harder then looking for one or two teams to do that, um, which is what it was closer to last year with everything. So they're going to need a hell of a finish for them if they want to make the playoffs. Looking like it may not happen, which is going to lead to the next thing we're going to talk about. With it maybe, maybe being over for the Pelicans, we're not going to call them DOA just yet. You know, do you need to shift your focus from looking to add a piece to looking to maybe sell off a piece or two and start to prepare for maybe what's to come this off season. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we get to that, I'm still outraged. You're still outraged over the no call, the no calls in the NFC Championship game for the or against the Saints, however you want to call it here. Uh, and if you need to know more about it, what the hell is the NFL going to do about this? Let's make this a story throughout all of the Super Bowl week. The Locked on Saints podcast has you covered. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast. So now that the Pelicans are six games out of the eighth seed in the Western Conference, sending 13th out of 15th overall, you've got to wonder if their mindset at the trade deadline is changing. You know, Scott Kushner wrote about this for the New Orleans Advocate saying it's at this point irresponsible for them to trade a first round pick for a player this late in the game. And maybe they need to become sellers. And other people have said this as well. And then Zach Lowe tweeted out saying that, you know, he was texting people around the league asking what he thought New Orleans should do, what they are doing, and basically came back saying that most other people around the league think the Pelicans have maybe a 10 to 15 at best percent chance of making the NBA playoffs. Those are 
odds not in their favor. So it's kind of interesting to hear that that's what the league as a whole thinks. And even if you make a trade for a guy like, say, Conley, you swing for the fences, you get him and you go with that. They're in such a hole that maybe they don't make the playoffs, which maybe is okay. But then if Anthony Davis doesn't sign that Supermax deal or any extension with the team, you're stuck overpaying Conley, Drew, and you don't have a first-round pick to at least add some youth to this team, and then Anthony Davis leaves. It's a weird spot, so maybe it's better suited for them to at least stand pat versus being sellers, or just being sellers and getting whatever assets they can. I kind of understand it. I think that's not the way this team's going to go, but certainly I can definitely understand that maybe that should be the case. I think you can't jump too far to that and become sellers and say trade Nico for pieces or trade Randall for pieces. Maybe you get late first round picks for both those guys. Try and trade each one more for whatever he's worth. I would assume you would keep Frank Jackson here because he's young and at least cost controlled for one more season, I think. So maybe you don't kind of move any of the, uh, you move those guys and you get some late first round picks. If you still have a hope of re-signing Anthony Davis or bringing Anthony Davis back, you're not going to do it by trading away Nico or Randall or anyone else that's good on this team currently. He's going to look at that and just say, I want out. Now, if you think for sure, definitely, he's not re-signing, then maybe you do that. Yes, I can understand the logic behind it. But if you're holding out hope, even if it's 1%, so you're saying there's a chance type of logic, you're not going to trade the good players on the team that show him you're not serious about winning, right? It's kind of as simple as that, I think. So when it comes to this deadline, they're in a weird spot. Kushner brings up the idea of why the hell haven't they made a move beforehand, which I think is probably the, the best criticism of the team maybe so far this year. There were obvious things wrong with this team that we can see in hindsight, though at the time they were trying to tell us, and Alvin Gentry was saying this, this was the most depth they've had. They felt really good about all of this, and I think we drank all that Kool-Aid a little bit, and it turns out we were dead wrong when it came to that. This team, even in a little bit depleted or without Anthony Davis, looks absolutely horrible. Why didn't they make a move earlier. And I think it was, you know, they'd probably tried and they certainly tried for Jimmy Butler, couldn't get that one done. But why couldn't you have done anything since then? Other than maybe the fact that real, trades really don't get done until much later, closer to the trade deadline than earlier in the season. So it, it's tough, but maybe there should have been more urgency to not wait till prices for players dropped at the NBA trade deadline and have made a move earlier, even if it meant overpaying at the time, because now it's likely going to be too little, too late. You bring in Conley. You're still probably not going to go on a run that gets you into the playoffs, not with the number of teams that you're looking up at. And I think that's kind of the issue here. It's going to be similar to when they made a trade for DeMarcus Cousins a couple seasons ago, and they still didn't make the playoffs because of how deep of a hole they were in and then trying to integrate that guy on the fly. Chemistry is important, and it, they're just probably, you know, unfortunately done at this point, but there's still time, and we'll see. We're not, again, writing them off. There's more games to play. But it's been interesting to see that they just didn't act early on, and that failure to act when there were very clear needs, or maybe they just really bought into thinking that they could have made a big run once they got healthy, and they just never got healthy. You know, although I think that's a little bit of fool's gold there. So I don't know. It's It's a situation that now they stare at where it was very clear cut and dry on what they should do earlier, buy a player, be a buyer. 
um, trade for someone, but now not really. And so as the week goes on and they've got a couple more games before this trade deadline, which is going to be a week from Thursday, I don't know what they're going to do. And, you know, you could set yourself back further in years potentially by not by making a move and trading a first future first and then Anthony Davis walks. So, you know, we give Dell Demps a lot of flack. Deservedly so, too. And I don't know. You know, this shows how hard it is to be an NBA GM. And when you really think about the position he's put in, not really envious that it's him and not me, although I'd happily make this decision for the kind of money, I guess, that he's getting paid and have to make that tough choice. But it's not easy. And the Pelicans don't have an easy decision coming up over these next couple days. Week from Thursday is the trade deadline. So we're going to see what happens between now and then. So as we do get closer to the NBA trade deadline, there's going to be a lot of rumors flying. Know what to make of them, and the best place to do that is the Locked On NBA podcast. Monday through Friday, giving you all you need to know about the action from the night before, all the big stories. We've got some fantastic regular recurring guests, including Sam Amick from The Athletic and Ben Golliver from The Washington Post, as well as NBA player Trevor Booker, who's been on the podcast a bunch recently, is a lot of fun to listen to. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA be a podcast. So let's try and end the podcast on a more positive note. I think we all need that, right? Let's look for some silver linings here. You know, so I don't expect the Pelicans to become sellers. If anything, they'll just stand pat and kind of ride this season out and see where the landscape of everything is at the end of the season, what maybe Anthony Davis wants to do. So I think with that in mind, they're going to try and re-sign him and not just punt and say, okay, we get it, he's leaving, whatever, let's you know, tear this team apart. So what's their pitch to Anthony Davis to try and get him to re-sign here, to stay here? And what are they trying to sell him on? And I think it's going to start with two, you're going to focus on the basketball side of things. You're not even going to, I think, remotely look at kind of the off-court endorsements and things like that. That's not really a big thing, and he's got clutch to handle that with him. This is a guy who wants to win, so you need to sell him on winning and legacy. Those have been the two clear things. The money's there. You don't need to sell him on that. He knows how much you can offer him that it's more than anyone else that would be the richest deal in NBA history. If you spend too much time on the money, I think immediately he's going to tune this out. He wants to win, and he cares about his legacy. As he said, as I've said for years here on the podcast with you guys, um, for people who talk to him and his people, it's it's no question or it's no secret kind of what he cares and what he wants. So what I think you've got to look at is go back to those first four games this year and how good the Pelicans were through October 26th with their wins over the uh, first four teams that they played. They had the best offense in the league by far, an offensive rating of 120.1. They had a defensive rating, not terrible, but it was acceptable, 16th best in the league through those first four games, 109.9. Not good, not horrible though, certainly. And they had the fourth best net rating in the league of 10.2, tied actually for three with the Raptors. So they were top three net rating team only behind the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors. That is a good start. They were tremendous on the offensive glass. They were good enough on the defensive glass. They weren't turning the ball over at all, and they were getting out and running and playing their style of ball. And more importantly, they were 4-0. and oh. You had a win on opening night where you absolutely rocked the Houston Rockets, 131-112. to Follow that up with an even bigger win, 129, one, or sorry, 149, 129 
over the Sacramento Kings. Then you beat the Los Angeles Clippers. It was closer, 116-109. That Clippers team has turned out to be pretty good, pretty competitive. And you beat them before finally coming back down to earth and getting enough of a victory over the Brooklyn Nets, who have been kind of a surprise team this year. That was when everyone was healthy, when they were playing their style of ball, doing exactly what they wanted to do, before injuries did derail them. And then kind of killed, you know, chemistry and guys gelling and then people coming back at different times. You just haven't had that fully healthy team other than at one point kind of during the middle of the year. But it's hard to integrate those guys back. People were playing minutes restrictions in different things. Look how good this team was in that 4-0 and start. That is something that if they stay healthy, if they add another piece or two this offseason, you can build upon and potentially be right back there next year and for years to come. And they should be able to add another piece. You might lose Julius Randle, certainly, but we've seen the issues that he has along with the nice numbers he's putting up. Okafor's come along. You have to figure they'll bring him back or attempt to bring him back next season. And then you either have cap space or future assets then to maybe trade for someone else to increase this team and make it a little bit better. And I think that's your on-the-court pitch to Anthony Davis with everything. There's actually ways to improve the team, particularly if he re-signs here. And who knows, maybe there is a guy like Mike Conley on the team or whoever they add potentially at the NBA trade deadline. It's a good pitch. You know, yes, a lot of the league's going to have money, but the Lakers, even him and LeBron James with no one else there, and that's what they need to give up to try and sign or trade for Anthony Davis— you're not necessarily going to win there uh, sooner than you would if you stayed here and added one piece. It's, that's a whole lot easier here than maybe there. With LeBron James being a little bit more injured and the way some of those young guys have looked, it's less appealing than maybe it was before. Boston certainly could be a good thing, but again, they're going to have to gut their team to trade for Anthony Davis. you know. And if he wants to enter in free agency with a team that would then have the cap space for him, it's two years from now. So if you were looking to go to a better situation and then have them keep their assets you got to play here one more year, and then that team might not have the cap room to sign you to a max deal, and that's leaving a lot of money on the table at that point too. So, you know, maybe it is better for Anthony Davis just to stay here in New Orleans and see if things get better. Maybe it's a short-term deal, and the Pelicans will sign him to whatever deal he wants, without a doubt of that. The other side of it is the legacy thing. Look at how Drew Brees is revered. He's a god here in New Orleans, and maybe rightfully so. Um, and I think the same could be for Anthony Davis. He's already the best player in franchise history. I think he's above Chris Paul at this point, and he has a chance to just go further. The only person that might ever be ahead of him sports-wise here in New Orleans would be Drew Brees. It's not a bad number two. You can be the basketball equivalent of that. And that's the legacy side. I think you've got to pitch him on a single um, city legacy. He like a legacy with titles and going down as one of the best ever in the M in NBA history. But that's a whole lot easier said than done. You still got to get there. And if you go somewhere else, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get there. At least here, you'll be a legend in New Orleans. You go to the Lakers and you don't win a title there with them. And then you go to another team eventually. You're not going down as a legend of the Lakers. You're not leaving a huge legacy there because it's already been built up by others. Here in New Orleans, you can, you can build as big of one as you want. And you're not really going to be a number two to anyone in terms of the basketball side of things. That's a legacy too. Maybe not the legacy he's originally thinking about or envisioning for himself, but you could at least pitch that to him and maybe sell him on that idea. He's also happy here. 
you know, in terms of the city. That's an important thing too. Don't discount just being happy. So I think that's the pitch that the Pelicans are going to go with. And maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. It just kind of depends. He's got to kind of survey the landscape of everything. But at that point, he can't talk to other teams. So I think that's a little bit interesting. So if you want some silver linings, it sounds like a pretty good pitch overall. Again, it just kind of, who knows what he's going to say to it, but it's not like all is completely lost, but certainly it looks slimmer now than it did before. But there's a pitch there, and at least maybe you have to try, and I think that's kind of the big thing, go for broke with it. So expect that to be kind of what the Pelicans are going to talk to Anthony Davis about this summer. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'm going to be back with you all tomorrow. 